0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: You know, you have a scenario where, I mean, if we're going to, I guess, keep acting like there are power brokers that control things, I mean, I could say it in a very uh, casual way, I guess. But, I mean, if I'm going to be real, you you know, there, there are people who control things when big money decisions are made, you know, and it's not always government officials, you know, lots of times it's the people who control them and when you start talking about an industry like this, yeah. to think that n- all of those individuals are just going to turn their heads and say, oh yeah let the black us let the let the black skit can let the 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 black <kier> <speaks>
0: Welcome to Wild Black, a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening Wild Black. If Black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back once again party people. Yeah, we got a we got a great episode today. I'm excited about it. We've talked about this before, never from this standpoint, which to me makes it beautiful because you go back and you listen to all our episodes about cannabis, you're going to get multiple angles of the cannabis industry. And, and today's I'm really excited about because it's about building business, overcoming the barriers and doing so much to get started in the space but As I was thinking about the episode and I was thinking about our guest today and our pre-call, it got me to thinking about myself and, and what I've done and what I call in my mind the art of the pivot, right? And for me, I've taken my career, my brand, my entrepreneurial endeavors in so many directions. And each one of them has been successful to a point, right? Some bigger than others, some smaller, but none have been failures, And the reason I say none of them have been failures is because it's about my perspective and my viewpoint when I look at what I've gone through. Each one led me to a better place. Each one gave me the opportunity to fail forward if I failed at all. Each one taught me something. They gave me something that made me more well-rounded and more prepared for the opportunities that I'd see in the future. And that's the powerful thing about a pivot change. To me, when you pivot the correct way, with information and calculated risks, there is no such thing as failure. Your business idea may not survive. It may not reach the heights that you wanted, but failure is when you can do no more. Failure is when you don't take anything from it that builds you up and makes you better. And those pivots never result in failure. Now, today's guest and the story that he'll talk about is about Pivot. But thankfully, in his case, it's not about failure. At least from our perspective, I am sure he will be able to tell you that there have been failures along the way that he has overcome and learned from. But from our perspective, this is success. And what he's going to talk about today should give you building blocks to build your way into a place in the space that we've been excluded from. Not only excluded, but punished historically, stripped, losing while the industry itself becomes legitimate and makes people rich. So I don't want to go too, too deep into this. I want to introduce our brother, Mr. Lorenzo McFadden, to the Wild Black stage today. Brother Lorenzo, welcome to Wild Black. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Listen, I jumped in. I gave a little bit of my ramble up front like I always do. Why don't you take a few seconds and introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. I'm um, I'm like a... Host said, I'm Lorenzo McFadden. I'm first glad
1: to be here on Wild Black just because that's important to me to re- make sure I'm representing and getting the information out to the right audience. Um, you know, as far as my background, I've worked in education, I've worked in uh, finance, I've worked in real estate, I've worked in construction management. And, you know, ultimately I ended up.
2: What, what part of Jamaica are you from, brother? <laughs>
1: Listen, that's just, that's just having <laughs> hard, the hard parents, you know, that, that instill it in you. Amen. My father really was an um, entrepreneur at his heart, even though he didn't really get to explore it, I think, as much as he wanted to, you know, working and trying to make sure that I had opportunities. Um, but now I feel like I'm just kind of taking that baton and running with it. You know, I, I think the opportunities yeah. that they gave me really set the stage for me to kind of keep exploring and going after new ideas. And so to be able to go from my my last areas around education and um, mental health and being able to then shift and start looking at cannabis, um, you know, it's that's just all part of that entrepreneurial spirit. And then being able to bring it all together because the reason I really jumped into the cannabis space was because the person I partnered with agreed that 5% of our, our growth was going to go back into the community. So, you know, that made it a very yeah. interesting um opportunity for me because I was al- I'm already doing different social service type things, so that made me look at it a little differently. So, even though I had um explored cannabis yeah. before, looked at it in some other states, had some opportunities with different partners, you know, we were never able to take it to that next level or get it over the finish line. This yeah. one made me reconsider yeah, yeah, it, yeah. made me put my energy behind it and, you know, now we're we're at a stage where we're 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 waiting for the city to sign off and let us kind of go before the state and then knock that approval out. So that's the next steps. But it's been a long journey, kind of getting there and and working through different barriers.
2: So the, the beautiful part about that is you are far enough along to give us some amazing insight and advice but not so far along that you feel disassociated with the people you can help the most. Is that fair?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and I hope I'm never that far disassociated, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? But Good. Um, I'm absolutely in the process and I don't have a problem, you know, saying, hey, it's hurting right now or, hey, it's going well right now. Like, I think it's about yeah. being genuine and authentic Good. and that's what
2: people learn from. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things on Wild Black is we don't just let anybody on these microphones we have we have earned the right to be selective in who we allow to grace this space and and talk to our audience and our family and you obviously passed the test because you're here so what i'd love for you to do real quickly is tell the folks while you are here what is it that lorenzo is doing that justifies being in this space and allowed to speak to this audience and teach them and make them better just what are you doing well right now i'm i'm in the middle of
1: start getting my foot in the cannabis industry in New Jersey. Um, you know, we pulled together our application as a team and we've been able to kind of check multiple boxes and get it to the point where we, we don't see why we shouldn't be able to proceed through the process. But that's understanding really that we were addressing things at multiple levels at the same time. You know, it took a lot of uh, preparation and even getting the application together because they want to make sure that you know what you're doing and that you're able to really um, be a viable business. And so there are a lot of different barriers, like you spoke on, that come up in the process. And, you know, I just want to make sure that I can get the information out so that people have an idea of what they're really getting into. Um, You know, I think people hear it and it's, it's that, sexy business, you know, it, it sounds like it's something that could just take off and make millions and then not realizing you can lose a lot just trying to get to, to that point. You know, because you're gonna have to invest yeah. a lot on the front end in most of these businesses, it, it according to what level you're at. You know, so for example, if somebody's yeah. focused on just being on the retail end, right, that investment looks different, you know, and the and the time that it's gonna turn around for them to make any profit is going to be different then somebody who's on the cultivation side who's actually growing something and then putting yeah. that out, you know? Um, and, and just as a i um, I'll say, I, I won't say it's a rule of thumb, but I'll just say it with the people I'm around. Generally, we, when we talk about it, cultivation's king. That's, that's where you want to be, mm. you know, because you're at the top of the food chain. Gotcha. Everybody needs you, right? Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so we, Ooh. we kind of tend to look at it from that perspective, but, Of course, if you can or have an opportunity to pivot or go into cultivation, into manufacturing, into retail, then you're able to have all three of those things feeding into each other. Um, But, you know, according to where you are, you may be limited in being able to do that. You know, so I know in New Jersey and some places they'll say, "Okay, you can only do one of these. Or they may say, all right, if you're Mm -hmm. located in this area, you can only do this in particular, you know, we've had situations. So it's like zoning. Yes. I mean, I do i, I don't want to say redlining, but <laughs> I'll just say <laughs> zoning. Yeah. All right, cool.
2: Well, before we dive too deep in, I, I want to bring us back to our, our opening. So we, we got to jump in. We got to get our wild black shit done. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't the road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba at participating McDonald's. Alright, you wanna take him through the wild black shit, brother? Absolutely, absolutely,
0: bro. We we jumped right in. I was I was I was about to ask about twenty-five questions, cause man, it seems like you got a a, a great deal <laughs> of knowledge. But let me let me let me share with you. What our Wild Black shit is about. So, basically, it gets you warmed up. We got three questions, two questions. Really kind of, you know, get you you excited a little bit. Kind of catch you off guard on on a couple of them. And then our third question is our signature question that we ask every single guest. Um, So, you ready to get it kicked off? Let's go. I'm ready. All right, let's hit it. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. All right. Which of the following restaurants had black folks convinced that we were fine dining. Let me give you these five or six. First one is Shoney's. Second one is the local Chinese food buffet. The third is Applebee's. Fourth is Piccadilly's. Fifth is Golden Corral. And sixth is Olive Garden.
1: I gotta say, it matters where you live because if you're down south, I think Shoney's it. Does. It does, yes. But if you was but if you was up north, I think Olive Garden might have got it. So I, I, I'll leave those two out there just because those are the two regions I'm most familiar with.
2: Man, Shoney's mm, okay. was the shit. When I grew up, they That's had this, this dessert. It was like some kind of ice cream. It was Mississippi. Deep, deep sip. Ice cream, brownie, <laughs> whipped cream. Like thinking about it on the now, the shit was so uber simple. But brother, I would I would get good grades. I would take the trash out. I was doing dishes. I was respectful to every adult that I saw. All to get my big ass to Shoney's and get that. I don't remember what it was called anymore, but you couldn't tell me shit when I was at Shonies. <laughs> not, not you couldn't tell me shit. I'm sorry, I got excited. Nah, Shoney, nah, I hear you, man. Shoney's the breakfast.
0: Piccadilly's. Piccadilly's though with the with the man, the 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 <sighs> um the peach cobbler?
2: Oh. oh. They shut it Fire. down. Piccadilly's peach cobbler. I went gone. to a Piccadilly's, bruh. It, <laughs> it used to change my. I sound like a real fat boy right now, don't I?
0: Let me shut up. <laughs> hey, I think I think we all real excited about this one right here. We had to chime in. All right, look, hey, we're we, gonna we go. jump into the second one. Uh huh. All right, if you had to argue with one person from this list, who would it be, and why? The first one is Judge Joe Brown, Big Worm from Fridays. I'm gonna go ahead, Joe. this whole list
2: is fucked up.
0: It, it this was this was this one is crazy. <laughs> Three dollar bill from Players Club. Four Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince. Uh. Five Kanan from Power and Raising Canaan. Six Frank Lucas from American Gangster. What you think? Who you going with? <laughs> To argue, to argue with, to argue, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: man, I don't, I don't like any of that list, man. I'm, because I feel like half of them'll <laughs> get me in jail or locked up, and the other one half might kill me. So, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some serious arguments right here. That's
1: what I said, man. Yeah, I mean, I might, I might have to. You know, I think maybe I could reason with Joe Brown. So, yeah, I, but, you know so what? I I think, out, out of help. the
0: list, I think that's the easiest one. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on Judge Joe Brad. He might until be, he, he you. He, a he got kid. the less consequences. Yeah? he got there the less go. consequences though. Like he he might be verbal, but he ain't he ain't, ain't, ain't busting no Greg. Big worm, right, you know. Exactly. You know how he did Friday, so I mean, yeah, he did Smokey on Friday, so yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: right. we'll, we'll need
0: that. Third question, <laughs> signature question. What do you love most about life while black?
1: I, I, it was funny because it, I got to touch on something I said earlier that we, right before we got on, man, it's, it's resilience. It's like we have a superpower. You know, as, as black people, we've been through so much that I, I think they kind of look and wonder sometimes, like, wow, you know, what do we have to do to break them? And, and I like being part of that. I like, I like feeling like we're, we're up against it. And, you know, it's an opportunity to do something great. And, and show the world, like, you know, what what we're about, what we're capable of, and, you know, that what we've invested in all this time is really us. It's part of us and that we should be able to embrace that and and be proud of it. So that's that's what I love about me, being black and I, I love it to my core.
2: I'm I'm stuck on, you You said there, how did you put it there? You said they're constantly trying to break us, they can't, whatever, however you put it. That statement could not be more true. I mean, especially right now. I'll, I'll, I'll date the episode, but we're going through the, the Tyree Nichols stuff right now. We're going through his unfortunate, unfair, brutal murder, and you are absolutely right. It's even watching that video put me in a frame of mind of disgust and overwhelmed, and reminders of how tired of it I am. Looking at my my son and my daughter. And having internal concerns about their safety as they continue to grow up. But even through all that, there's nothing they can do to to truly stop us collectively. They they can't they can't break this. This is this is some unbreakable shit. That's what that's what we've proven. Absolutely. We still that's why we're still on here right now, brother. Absolutely. Right. All right, let's jump into this dope quote. Now, the dope quote is something from religion, science, entertainment, math. Doesn't really matter. It's got bearing on the episode. And today's I'm actually really excited about I don't know who this woman is. She is a sister. But this quote, just for me, I feel like you could take it so many different places. So I'm going to read it. And then, Lorenzo, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Remember, we're talking about not just the cannabis industry, not just changing and pivoting, but even more so than that, the essence of what we're really talking about is how we burst into the spaces that people would rather keep us out of. And that's the spirit of this quote. So I'll read it for you quickly. Thank you for excluding me so much. I got so fed up that I found my way out by Leslie Roach. She's a poet. I'll read it one more time. Thank you for excluding me so much. I got so fed up that I found my way out. When you hear that, brother, what comes to mind for you? What does that mean to you? What did it move in you? It's, it made me think about even what you just spoke on, which is
1: seeing repeatedly yourself being treated unfairly in the media, whatever um, platform it is, and 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 feeling like you you're just tired of it. You know, and, and, it, and it builds up yeah. in you so much that you have to do something. You're, you're forced into action. And, you know, I, I think it's about hearing that voice inside of yourself and not ignoring it and, and just, you know, because I think it's real easy to get caught up and, and, and like just stay in the matrix. You know, I feel like you're, you're sort of um, seeing this world that you're being told to see and the way it's being th- this yes. explained to you. Instead of really looking at it and saying, wait, this is what's in front of me right here. I'm seeing it right now, (laughs) you know, and I don't need anybody to kind of shift that or change that perspective for me. So, you know, I feel like it's just, you know, having those things build up so much that you're like, man, you're telling me I really have a chance, but I don't. Well, guess what? Now I I figured out how.
2: I, I figured out how that that's the essence of it. All right, brother, what'd you get from it?
0: Man, it's it, it kind of ties it back into this this whole resilience thought process, man. And I think it's embedded inside DNA. It's like, yeah, you can tell me I can't do it. You can you can show me different ways why if I attempt to do it, why it's gonna fail. But I continue to persist, I continue to 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 go on, I continue to live, I continue to thrive, I continue to figure shit out. Like it's like it, it's like this narrative, man. It, it we don't have any other choice but to like we don't we don't get the option to be like oh well no man that just didn't work oh, so you know that, that's kind of just it for me we don't we don't operate that way yeah. we've we've never operated that way the, the reason that we are still here is because I don't think we know how to operate that way we are our operating mode yeah. and ma mo- and model is is a, is around continuing and, and continuing to figure things out. And that's just what we do so it, it feels real it yeah. feels real embedded into like our DNA of who we
2: are I agree with that the I think the name of the book that this comes from is finish this sentence or finish my sentence uh Leslie, I apologize for for not being able to say the name of your book correctly, but it's something to that extent and as I was reading this line, I don't know two hours ago when I found it, <laughs> what it made me think is I had to question. What did she mean by out? Like, what is, what is out modifying? Thank you for excluding me so much. I got so fed up that I found my way out. It was the out that got me. And where I landed was that the out was the exclusion itself. I found my way out of your exclusion by creating my own, by bursting down your doors, by going and get getting informed, by learning, by attempting, by failing forward, by, by all these mechanisms that helped me to... Unexclude myself, but I'll challenge the audience today. In name, in, in spirit of her book, finish that sentence. I got so fed up that I found my way out. Out of what? What is it that you need to find your way out of, and therefore into? Right. When you leave something, where are you going to take a little time with that audience and finish that sentence to to support her book? Listen, we're gonna jump into the core of this interview. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster?
0: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home.
2: Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I want to dive deep into what it is that you've done, why you've done it, why we've been excluded, how we overcome advice insight, information, input. I want to go as deep as we can during the next 40 minutes or so to teach all the people listening how they can break these doors down and find their way out of whatever it is that they're inside of. So I'll start with this. Let's tell the people exactly what it is that you've created, why you've created it, and then we can begin to kind of dive into where you were at and what you were feeling that forced you to pivot. So let's start with the what. What is it that you have created? I'm, I'm part of a partnership that's
1: um, created a cannabis company that plans to start manufacturing in this year, hopefully. um You know, we're, we're trying to work through some of those um, harder areas right now. Um, but I think we've crossed a lot of major barriers at this point. And so we're we're at the stage that I think you can start to um, I think you can start to plan and really start to um, feel like it, it could come to fruition, and it's just more of a matter of time than actually it possible to happen. And, and it took a lot to get there. Um, and I guess what was built within that was, you know, just having the the land available. You know, having the expertise on board as well, um, and and again, why it was so important to me was it, w- it was an opportunity where I was partnering with a team that was com- really committed to the social service side, and and to giving back, you know, directly, not just saying, "All right, I'm gonna mm-hmm. plant some trees out here and beautify the neighborhood." No. <laughs> I'm sorry, you yeah, know, yeah, let, yeah. let's let's talk about how we're going to train some people in the community and get them jobs I, because we're doing this in Camden, New Jersey. Um, you know, historically, one of the more dangerous cities in the country per capita, um, one of the poorest per capita as yeah. well. Um, you know, I mean, and that's for years now at this point, you know, always in the top 10. And, you know, to be able to go into that community and possibly create an opportunity that also creates employment and and really shows people how they can get ahead and not just be those people that are at the bottom rung of an opportunity is is it just feels tremendous for me so I'm excited to be a part of it and and I feel like it just aligns with other things I do in my life so i I just felt like it was a good opportunity to jump in and take the next steps yeah well, so specifically, what is it? what will the company do? At this point, we would be manu- we would be on the manufacturing side, which means that we would take the cultivated product and turn that product into something that could be used as far as oils, primarily. That's where you see the um, the mm. majority of the usage coming in, and that's where we would focus. Um, but we are we aren't planning to stay there. Um, the only reason we're having to start there is because the land we have is located in the manufacturing zone. So we're mm-hmm. also at at a point we're gonna make our own shift as well, ask for our own variants and see if we can get cultivation as well because we have a pretty large footprint in that area. So I believe that puts us in a position to be able to actually make that ask as well. Um also leverage that um there are some economies of scale that would come into play because of that. And, and you know there's some opportunities that would be, um, I think, a little easier for us to be able to pull off by having both located, right. you know, together. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're planning to kind of have that be the next level. But as I said earlier, the reason we're really trying to get to cultivation is because we know that if we don't get there, we're always going to have to go through someone. And then that means somebody's
2: always going to be able to dictate to us our rates. Yeah, this is probably a great place to ask this question. What are the verticals that exist, right? You 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 talk you've mentioned cultivation and the fact that you all are going into manufacturing. We we glossed over retail, but what are the other major verticals as it pertains to this cannabis industry? Right
1: now, in well, at least in New Jersey, that you see, you know, you see those three areas primarily. Um, and as far as entry, I would say retail is probably the easiest of the three. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, as far as your initial investment, as far as your turnaround time, um, as far as the regs around what you're doing, because, you know, it's the, what you're getting is already regulated. So, you know, other people have already dealt with the hard part. So you're really just dealing with actually being able to distribute at that point. Right. So you know that would pro- that's probably the- and that's the area I would expect to see most of us, if I'm being frank. You know, because it's the easiest to get in, it's the lowest gotcha. amount of in the, in the
2: in the retail, the dispensary right. portion,
1: right? If if at all. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, that's that's where I would see it.
0: Mm. So what? I mean, go
1: ahead.
2: Yeah,
0: and I think that that's a. It, it seems like you you took a approach that was much more difficult to become vertically integrated like upstream. so versus going retail to to consumer, you went from cultivation or the the, the, the growing and then the, the packaging distribution into into that side like like moving upstream versus going the, the, uh, the opposite end what, what motivated that?
1: Well our, our our goal for that is that you know we know that we'll always have people needing to basically get that cultivated product. At that first stage, you know, to do all the other things, they're going to need to get that. And even for what we want to do, we need to do that. So to be able to even drive our price down as low as possible, that gives us the opportunity to look at it that way. Because if not, then then you're going to one of the major players, you know, and you're having to really purchase from them. And then they're setting the price. So, for example, um, one of the first dispensaries in New Jersey was Cureleaf. Cureleaf's a monster, publicly traded company. You know, we don't. You're not competing with them. I don't care how slick your idea is. You know, it's just their, their economies of scale are going to crush you. You know, and so it's being able to kind of find that zone within those markets. So if a cure leaf's there, hey, you you might be ten miles away. <laughs> you know, focused on another area. Um, and you'll see other um big name. Um, I think Verano is another one that shows up now. You know, and they're big player. So when they come into the market, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot harder for you to try to compete with them and they're a grower, you know. But if you can then basically say, I have my own that I'm growing and I'm getting that really at the bottom price I can get it at. And then I'm able to then manufacture that and then possibly flip that into retail. Then you have the, that's like the, the, um, I want not say the Holy grail, but I mean, it's like having Everything you need to really manage it and not have to worry about competitors or anyone else driving your business or your price
2: you you mentioned earlier that you all were putting your application in and, and that's kind of where I want I want to I jump in for a moment when when our listeners hear that, many of them will think back to when they applied for a job or a grant. Or, or anything. And putting an application sounds like you go online, you hit the apply now button, you fill it out, boom, you're done. But we've also talked about the fact that there are systematic barriers in place that are stopping us as black Americans, black folks, from getting into this industry. So from your perspective, the manufacturing side, I'd love it if you would get detailed on what it took to get to the point of submitting your application. What are the barriers that you saw and had to overcome?
1: Well, first, I want to say that the um, the first application actually never went through that we submitted. And what I mean is we had we submitted one to the state and it sat. And once they picked the first round, as it went into the second round, what we found was that it was really difficult to... I'll say navigate the process and understand where we really stood. So, you know, you're, you're waiting for the state to kind of mandate this. And then in the middle of that process, all these lawsuits start coming out because there's accusations that the process isn't fair. And so then you're just in this sort of holding pattern. Now, mind you, at that level, at that time, I believe we had to put 20000 into account. To just to and, and submit that and actually submit that as payment for the to apply. And if you did, if you got rejected, you got wow. all but 2000 of it back. So you got 18 back, but you had to put up 20 just to be part of that process. Now, in addition, they so
2: just to start, you've got to have
1: $20,000 just sitting in an account that, at that time. That was the process, yes. And then, barrier number oh, one. Oh man, it's oh that's 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 light. Let me <laughs> let me hit you with the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and the next one. Um, you know, we ended up having a show that we had uh about one point five in an account to to be taken seriously what? because you got to you know you got to show that you can get to the finish line, right? They want to see that you and and so that's why. You know, when we first talked about it, I told you that this was not really intended for us. You know, I mean, because of the way it's designed. Yeah. It's 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 not set up for for you to just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get together, a couple small business loans, and presto, you got it. Nope. <laughs> it's not it's not like that. Um, you know, it's it's a different animal. So
2: are, are you yeah. you you're saying you had to have 20K liquid to even enter the application pool. And then after that, you had to have $1.5 million cash sitting in an account to even be considered. So the 20
1: definitely had to happen to get to the door. Okay. The other piece, it was, I'll say it this way: it's according to how much you wanted to show. But I'm I'm just letting I would I would surmise hmm. that. <laughs> They were looking for over a million in that account to be able to pull it a off. A big
2: number, yeah. Wow. And so, wow. and so that was so at that the, time. The question now I we, have, and, and I, w- I want you to get back. I was going to say it's evolved, but, but I want you ahead. to get back to the berries. But the question I want to ask is, if if they are looking at you saying, basically, show us you have the resources, the financial resources to complete this process. What what are they using? As a gauge, like are, are, is there transparency in the process or is all, all these decisions made in a vacuum someplace and you just don't understand what's happening? And you're told as you move through this line that you made it and you made it, and you didn't make it. How, like, how does that work?
1: The first process, I would say, was B, how you just described it. Where it is now, because the process mm. has evolved. You know, they've opened it up more. They're letting more um, local government have a bigger say in the process. That's where this um, zoning even came into play. That wasn't something the state was doing. That's something that happened at the local level. So it it evolved. You know, so it and and now, yeah, you don't need that anymore. But now there's just other factors coming into play because, you know, you still have to work with local government and then they're submitting you to the state after they've approved. So you're still kind of going through that process, but it just looks a lot different and it's not involving the same initial investment.
2: Gotcha. All right, we'll be quiet. We'll, we'll hold our questions and let you go through the process. 20K, million plus, million five, what else did they throw at you to keep you out this game?
1: Of course, they they, they want to make sure that, like I said, you can get to the finish line and that's not just having financial resources, that's having expertise. So, you know, how, how do you substantiate that you know how to run a dispensary or you know how to cultivate, you know, thousands of pounds of marijuana or you know how to, um, you know, manufacture oils to the um, right levels or in a way that's, you know, going to get you through regulation. And so, you know, even having that person available is a barrier. Because how do you get that knowledge? You have to be probably yeah. connected to a dispensary or at least have the resources to be able to travel to them and to learn. And so, you know, I, I would say that's, that's another barrier as far as just having that expert who can deliver that piece. Um, so, you, you know, you're dealing with that. And then you, you can go to another level because, again, you're going into a community. So now you really have to make sure that community's on board with what you're trying to do. And you know that that can go a lot of different ways. you know you you can have a community that that'll say out flat out, listen, you know, th- to come in here, this is the number. <laughs> you know and 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 you need to be ready. Wow. or you know you have a scenario where, I mean, if we're gonna I guess keep acting like there are not power brokers that control things, I mean, I could say it in a very um, yeah casual way, I guess. But I mean, if I'm going to be real, you, you know, there there are people who control things when big money decisions are made, you know, and it's not always government officials, you know, lots of times it's the people who control them. And when you start talking about an industry like this, yeah. to think that all of those individuals are just going to turn their heads and say, oh yeah, let's let the, let the blacks get cannabis. No. <laughs> That's not what's happening. What's happening is right, they're right. figuring out how to stay at the top of the food chain, and if and you know, and basically let
2: us kind of get the scraps as we can. So you you mentioned that the process has kind of changed over time, and what you went through is is not necessarily the same process today. Maybe there's more transparency that came as a result of some of these lawsuits or or, or something to that effect, but. Where do people go today when they want to understand the process? How do they learn what they need to pull together? Where is is it written? Is it on we want into weed2.com? Like where where does this information live so that people can understand what they're trying to get into?
1: Well, Now it's the industry's grown, so there's a lot more information out there, you know, that I mean, I still, I guess I'm going to age myself now, but I'm i am still amazed by the internet as far as just how it just puts information out and people can access it at this point. <laughs> you know, I mean, I go back to, uh, you know, the uh, encyclopedias. So, <laughs> you know, for me, I'm like, wow, you can just, you know, type it in and, and get this information. And now, you know, in this space, it's evolved to where you can get really g- good information, you know, uh, and, and it's out there. You know, it's, I mean... I know so many guys who said, yeah. listen, you know, they've learned how to grow from videos <laughs> and watching videos and, and getting information and, and going to different sites that are, you know, a lot of times I would, I would, now I will say this. I would I would lean toward the, the sites that um, focus on advocacy because generally speaking, you know, they're the ones that are trying to um, impact legislation. So the information that they're carrying is going to just right. be probably a little more vetted than if you just go to any other random site. Right. right. But, you know, that's probably where I would look right. for um, just good information around the process, um, state to state. You know, there's large bodies at federal levels that, you know, look at each state. Um, I forgot, it's um MMP, I think. I can't remember the acronym, but there, there's different companies that do look at it at a lot of different levels. And you can get information that way. I mean, and it's... It's not like it was even when I was first starting because, you know, it's more people into it now. So and it's more widely accepted. So even now, more people are even willing to talk about it.
2: What are the credible resources? Where can people go? Do you have any websites or do you have any books or are there health seminars online? Like what where where can people go to get the real credible information?
1: I'm, I'm trying to think because I see, I remember when I first started, there was a there was a school that actually started in um, California. And, I, and I'm sorry, I just I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I can say those schools have now expanded. So you're seeing those schools pop up in a lot of different places. Okay. Matter of fact, I just saw um, a collaboration with Rutgers University and um, um, the Minority Business Cannabis Association, I believe, in New Jersey. And now they're they're going to be offering a certification around people learning to pro learning to grow. So, you know, I, I don't. I, it's you. it's really now. The, I mean, the inf- if people really want to look, the information is there if they're serious. Now, you know, if they want to, like you said, that easy application process that you think you're just going to fill out like a job app, then yeah, you you, you don't want to climb this tree. This is going. It's going to take a lot more than that. Um, at least. My experience in New Jersey now, I don't know if some other states are easier, but I have touched some other ones and, you know, they all have their own challenges.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we started this thing talking about you pivoting out of corporate America. So what I'd love for you to do now is is kind of go back to that time period and and talk about what, what brought you here. And the reason I want to ask that question is because I'm sure that there is, I know people specifically who will be listening to this. But there are people who are frustrated and tired of of where they are in corporate America and they are looking for ways to change. What is it that struck you about this industry and what was happening in your world that caused you to say, fuck it, I am going into cannabis?
1: One, I'd already made my big pivot prior on to some extent, because I had already become self-employed. So that was the first kind of big pivot. That's Mm. jumping out and Trying to really, you know, run with some ideas and 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 build. And so, you know, once I'd already made that pivot, I'd already established some things from a social service standpoint. Um, I have a mental health company as well as a school that trains um, frontline healthcare workers.
2: Who needs an alarm
0: in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Bada ba
1: Um, you know, it was it was a, just a logical, almost place for me to some extent because of the social service a so, piece that was added to it. You know, now if that piece hadn't been there, would I have been as driven? Probably not. Hon- being honest, I would have I would have explored it more of a from a financial standpoint and more from a business standpoint, but my my drive is really thinking about what I can do with that other piece in the community and, and how impactful that could be. Because Camden is a community where you see a lot of people being, being really moved out and you see, you know, the gentrification process, you see, you know, a lot of things being built up and people who've really lived through and experienced a lot are being just removed, you know? And so to be able to create an opportunity where those people can still can afford to also be in those communities as well as has, have an opportunity to be trained and developed. Uh, you know, and it's just, I think it's powerful. And I think that's part of how we collectively start to break systems. When you start being willing to sacrifice and kind of look at an opportunity from the standpoint of what does it do for the greater good, not just for myself. And so that's, yeah. Really, the driver, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to kind of live what I believe. So, you know, I got to go for yeah. it, you know, and, and that's why I want to give the information yeah. out too, you know, <laughs> why, why, why kind of hold this if, you know, if it could help somebody or if it could save somebody from going down the wrong road because they think it's something that, you know, they can do with $50,000. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> not in most states. So, you know, you got to understand really to get into this game, you're going to need deep pockets and you're going to need to be able to have it sit before you see your profit come in. And how many of us are really in that position? So when the idea is floated that it's for us to be able to benefit, is that really the case if financially we're not equipped to be able to take that next step? So therefore, we're not given the opportunity. So that's why it was really just important to me to, you know, kind of make this shift and be somebody that maybe has some business sense and has a commitment to the community being involved in it instead of just the people I've seen get involved who really just make a lot of money and get their lines around the building. And, you know, I'm just not seeing them do anything for the communities they're in.
0: But I think it's interesting that the the purpose behind, like, you kind of living, living in a more purposeful way around getting into it because if you think about it, like that has to be extremely difficult. Like, and what it made me think about though, was the amount of time. So, so along with a, a heavy financial commitment that is required, um, the amount of time, like how much time are you investing in it? Like from start to a point where you, you will make a, 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 profit. Um, and even, I may not even say a profit, but maybe the first, um, the first sale, right um because it seems like it, it, the path is gonna be a very um a very tough path with the with a lot of promise at the end,
1: yes, that's absolutely correct <laughs> it is it is not a, um a short term <laughs> a short deal where you can just flip it real quick and you move on with life No. you it it is gonna sit and um I mean just again to think that for, let's say, you put up a million and a half to kind of get your building up, everything rolling, right? Before you're seeing that back, you might be over a year in, you know? And when you start thinking about that, you know, now granted, yeah, it's a lot of upside, but yeah, it's very, because you're looking at not just the, you putting up your facility or putting everything up, but then, you know, once that's up, and the cost goes into that, then you're looking at how do I get this product out there? How do I get my momentum going? How do I get my business really moving? And and so then you're going through that period. And the longer it takes, the more competition there is out there. Because now, you know, everybody's trying to get in faster. So you're trying to get in as, as soon as possible. So the environment that you started in in that first year might look very different a year later as far as what you're dealing with as well. So, you know, I think y- you had to be a- you really have to be able to take on a significant amount of debt for an ex- I-, I don't want to say an extended period of time, but I would say at least about a year, you know, before you could really look at it and say, "Okay, this is coming back now, or I can pull that initial investment out and now I'm really on the profit side."
2: Yeah. You know, one of the things you've mentioned a couple of times is it was important for you to get here so you could share the information. I want to, as we near the end of the episode, I want to turn it over to you and give you an opportunity to speak directly to all the Wild Black listeners, right? To speak to our our whole family. And in your voice, tell them what it is that's so critical that they need to understand. Like, what is the core of the information you want them to walk away from this interview with?
1: First and foremost, it's knowing what you're getting into and really understanding the full depth of the the grind. It's not an instant thing. It's really deep. Um, and it, it really reflects a lot of what our country is, <laughs> in a sense. You know, this idea of it's, it's easy. It's, 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 they're make, creating an opportunity for us. Um, you know, we just have to kind of go to path and it's going to turn out that way. No, it, it didn't really turn out that way. You know, it took me strategically partnering with someone who had the resources to be able to let that money sit who didn't look like me. But I was able to make sure part of that deal included a component that would go back to the community that I would be able to control. And that was important because I knew that then it was going to go toward the right things, and so you know it's understanding. You know, sometimes you you're going to have to cut that deal to make it work because the way it's set up, you know, it's going to be really hard to make that shift. Now, if we look up one day and there's these, you know, you can get a a, a, a specific specific cannabis loan that allows you to take that next step and and and, and over a period of maybe three years is pumping you know 750 grand into the business, then that starts to look like a real more real opportunity. But you know, if, if they're saying it's a real opportunity with what we have access to now, that that's not the case. It it took it took taking that additional step. Now that doesn't mean a group of us can't come together and say, we're gonna go after this opportunity. I've actually done that in 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 a different circumstance. And wasn't able to pull it fully together. But, you know, we 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 did look at it that way. Um, but in the end, you know, this is the one that looks like it's gonna get to the finish line. And, you know, it's just important that they everybody knows this. It's really not this quick scenario where we hop in and just become millionaires. You you're gonna have to grind it out, you're gonna have to figure out strategically how you're gonna get into the space, and then you gotta be able to really had the legs to sit (laughs) and and, and wait until that profit starts to come in because it's not coming in in the first three months. You know, you're going to have to wait a while before you really start to look at it like I'm in the black now, I'm profiting, and this was a good investment overall.
2: I feel that. I appreciate that. I think that is excellent information. Lorenzo, brother, we have enjoyed having you on Wild Black. Thank you for sharing space. Thank you for providing this amazing information. With that, brother, anything you want to close out with? Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to be here with you guys. I love your energy. I love
1: what you're doing. I think it's so important and so valuable. And I, I'm just glad
2: I was able to be a part of it and provide some information for your audience. Amen. Amen. Brother, tell the people how they can track you, get in contact with you, engage with you, support you. And then we are out. Uh, um, I'll just share my uh, mental health company,
1: which is the Thrive Network, www.com the network.com and my school, which is AM Training Center. That's www.amtrainingcenter.com. Um, I love that. Just have you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and just see all the great things we're trying to do over there. Thank you. Cool.
2: With that, Wild Black, peace. We out. We love you.
0: Everybody loves McDonald's fries.